Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. We're going to go, if you can turn ahead, we're going to, we'll eventually get to John chapter 6. I want to talk today about you. I want to talk today about you. About you. Something, you know, something to think about. It actually went right in line with what Yoel prayed right before I walked up here, that each of us would be touched by this word. This message especially is for each and every person here. It's, it's, a, it's a you message, as in you personally each of you individually, you who are watching online. But first, some observations about society in general. And it's something that you see, that I see. I probably have more of a a glimpse of some of these things because of my role when people come in and they talk to me and and they share with me what's going on a little bit behind the curtain. And so I, I hear and see a lot of things that are not seen by other people. So it may be a little bit more evident to me. But nonetheless, I think that all of you all of you know what I'm about to say is true. Some of you personally know it is true, and others of you have seen this in others. What am I talking about? In the world today, I have sensed and seen and observed a great devaluation, a great devaluation, really, of people. What am I talking about? I see person after person that you'd never know it if you just looked at them, right? Everybody looks all well and good on the outside, but the outside doesn't tell the whole story. In fact, it doesn't tell much of the story at all. You'd never know it by looking at them on the outside, but inside, they're hurting. Inside, they're hurting. And and who am I talking? I know. I don't even have to ask, and I'm not going to ask. I know it's many of you who are sitting here right now or watching online, that there are hurts that you have in your life that maybe you don't express to people, that maybe other people don't see. And and, and oftentimes it can be driven by, by a feeling almost like life is void of meaning. Like, what's the point? I don't even understand. People go about their daily lives, but uh, and sometimes they, they'll go around their daily lives and they do everything they need to do. They smile, they laugh with people, but at night when they're alone, they'll cry on their pillow. And they're hurting. There's a lot of people like that. You probably have been there at one time or another. Sometimes, oftentimes, people have some kind of this, this hopelessness. People feel insignificant. People feel inconsequential, like, well, what exactly, what's the point? What is the meaning? What's my purpose, if you will? And oftentimes that leads to what? That leads to depression. 
that leads to anxiety, that leads to apathy. You know, what's the use? I'm just going to stay home. I'm just going to do nothing. I'm just going to kind of flail along and, and just, because what's the point? And people get depressed and they get down. And this can be in people single. It can be in people married. It can be people young. It can be people old. It can be people rich. It can be people poor. It doesn't make any difference, y'all. And, and, and maybe, if not all of the above, maybe you've experienced a gradient of, of, of something on that that I just described. Some feelings like that or some days where you, if you think about it, this is how you feel. And, uh, and, and if not, perhaps you've seen it in others. At the very least, at the very least, even if you are not suffering from some of these feelings, oftentimes, even if not that, people can be on like a type of cruise control in life, a little bit on cruise control, and they, and they think that they don't personally that make that much of a difference. And so, well, you know, maybe they're not going down, going around depressed all the time, but there's just, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going about my daily life and I'm doing what I have to do. I get up, I brush my teeth, I eat breakfast, I take a shower, I go to work, you know, I mean, I, or, or what is it? It's a little Groundhog Day-ish, you know, where it's like the same kind of spiel. And, and, uh, and you don't really stop to think about it too much, but it's like, eh, what, what difference do I make personally? Friends, we have to understand what the Word of God says because I'm telling you, it's a game changer. It is a game changer. Yeshua here is traveling and teaching all over. If you've been with me to Israel before, I'm going to be doing another tour to Israel May of next year, probably second part of May. Looking forward to that. So start saving your shekels now. I've been working on that trip already. Yeshua is traveling and teaching all over, but mostly in the area of the Kinneret at this time, the Sea of Galilee area. And soon he went to a particular area, kind of on the, the northern coastal area of the Sea of Galilee. And this is something interesting that happened in John Yochanan chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Then Yeshua went up the mountainside and sat down there with his disciples. Passover, the Jewish feast, was near. Oh, wow, Yeshua celebrated Passover. Oh, wow. I thought that the Tanakh was no longer of any importance or value and dead. Mm. Well, hmm. okay, verse 5, lifting up, somebody should tell Yeshua then, huh? Lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd coming to him, Yeshua said to Philip, where will we buy bread so these may eat? Now, Yeshua was saying this to test him, for he knew what he was about to do. Okay, so listen, you get all these throngs and throngs and many thousands of people, thousands of people to hear Yeshua teach and, and preach. And, and he looks at one of the disciples, right, and says, hey, hey, where, where are we going to buy bread for all these people to have dinner or lunch, right? And the disciple looked at him, uh, what? I mean, you know, it's like there's thousands of people 10,000, 20,000 people there. <laughs> it's like, what's Yeshua asking? It's like, it's, it doesn't make any sense, really. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii. That's basically more than 200 daily wages. Isn't enough to buy bread for each to get a, a little bit. One of the, his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what's that for so many? Yeshua said, make the people recline. There was much grass in the area. 
I take you to this, this place uh, when we go to Israel. So the men reclined about 5,000 in number. That was just the guys. Then Yeshua picked up the loaves and having given thanks, he said the brocha, the hamotzi, he distributed bread to everyone who was reclining. He did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. What? It doesn't make any sense from just five barley loaves and two fish. You know, friends, much has been written about this story. I talked about this story some, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. A lot's been written and said about this story, but but I don't want to focus. I'm going to focus on something different today in the story that's almost never spoken of, and it's such a famous story. I'm not going to speak today and don't want to focus on the miracle itself. It's a great miracle. I mean, you know, Yeshua making five loaves and two fishes to feed 10, 20,000 people. I mean, that's, that's cool. Okay, that's, that's pretty amazing, right? Okay, no doubt about it. Uh, I, but I, want, I don't want to focus so much on the miracle itself. I also don't want to focus, per se, bless you, on the 10 to 20,000 people that are there. That's a lot of people for sure, and, uh, uh, and it's remarkable that they're here to hear Messiah Yeshua, the crowd, no question. I'm also today not looking at the disciples who, who were confounded and a little bit befuddled by Yeshua's command to them and an inquiry of them about how we're going to feed these people when they looked at him with, a, with a, certainly a look of, of confusion and like, blah, 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 blah. What are you talking about? How are we going to feed them? Uh, they were completely uh, confused, not looking at the disciples. Honestly, I'm not even focusing right now on Yeshua himself, who did this amazing miracle. I want you to listen carefully. Listen carefully to this, y'all. The people would have gone hungry if it had not been for one boy that offered his five loaves and two fishes. It's an interesting thing to think about. Nobody ever really talks about the boy. Now, perhaps this seems small to you uh, in terms of as a role in the story, but no, 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 friends. It is critical to the story. It is central to the story. Y'all, if there are 20,000 people, let's say there are 5,000 guys plus, we know there were children. He was a child. There were children there. There were women there. Let's say there were 20,000 people there. If there are 20,000 people to feed, you think about this for just a second. 20,000 people, that's half of, of the stadium. The baseballs, half the baseball stadium. 20,000 people to feed. What is it that drives a boy to even offer his few loaves and fish. I mean, you got to stop and think about that for just a second. It's, it's, it seems asinine even to offer it. I mean, really? In order for the disciples to even mention this to Yeshua, the boy had to have offered them so you think about this boy for just a minute, and, and, and it's clear that people need to eat, and they're like, okay, we, we need to eat here or something, and Yeshua said, how are you going to feed them? And they're like, 
we have no idea. There's no chance. And then this boy comes up. Here's my five loaves and two fish. <laughs> you, you think about that for just a second. I mean, he acquired this food. So it's not like he's like three years old. He's not dumb. The boy can't be dumb. He's got the, the, he's got the only food at the place. Okay. <laughs> he, he had to have accumulated himself. So, so, you know, they, they grew up very young back then, of course, and he had probably acquired these fishing himself. And, 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 and what have you, and, and he offers, so, so he was smart enough, he was old enough, although a boy, he was old enough to have a full understanding that his five loaves and two fish were not going to feed 20,000 people, not even distantly close, I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke, it's a joke. Why would you even offer? Why, I mean, why, why would you even offer them? For 20,000 people, that, that amount of food is, is ridiculous. But, but, but to a boy in those days, five loaves and two fish was a lot. That was a lot. That was good eating for his family. So interesting to think about. You never think about that. But this boy was willing to do his little tiny part. And then God moved. Wow. Wow, Linda, isn't that something? When you think about it in that context, in that, whew, when I was really meditating on this, it gave me chills. The boy did his little bitty part, and then it was like, God. Whew. I get chills when I think about it. Beloved, if you watch TV or if you're on social media, you mostly see an idealed, an idealized picture of people's lives. I mean, that's what you see. Certainly, if you watch TV, you're, you're watching nothing that's truly reality. Even reality TV is not reality. You all know that. <laughs> I mean, you watch some reality TV series, and it's like, I've never seen that in reality. <laughs> you know, it's e even vloggers, even vloggers. Some of you are into vloggers. I, I know my wife watches some vloggers who do things like build their house and things such as that. Even vloggers only show that which they think will get the most views. I mean, they're trying to get views on YouTube. That's, that's their income. They're putting on what they think will be of interest to people. It's not the full picture. It's not true reality. It's idealized at the very least. But what that can do when you look at television, when you look at, when you watch movies, when you watch online and, and on social media, what people post, they, people don't post about the, well, I, you know, I had to clean up after, uh, you know, there was a mess in the kitchen and I spilled some things and I had to clean it up and I'd like to post 17 pictures about it. <laughs> Listen, there are a few like that. I, 
But most people don't, right? Most people post the 17 pictures of their vacation or, 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 of, or of the beautiful flowers in their garden or, or, or the vegetables that they've grown or, or their kid graduating. All good stuff, not, nothing bad. This is, but, but the point is, is that what we're getting when we see a lot of these things, a lot of the inputs to us are, are, are all idealized are all these kind of almost perfect scenarios where, where, where people have significant things happening to them, right? Your value in life is not defined by the prestige of your accomplishments. I want to say that again. Your value in life is not defined by the prestige of your accomplishments. Your value in life is as a daughter or son of the Most High God. And we have to all realize that in this journey that we are on called life, every role is needed and of importance. Every role is needed and of importance. I talked about Truist Park and the baseball, the Braves a little bit earlier. No baseball team goes out with only eight fielders. You don't do it. You don't have to be a baseball expert here to know that there are nine slots on a baseball field for fielders and they are always all utilized. <laughs> There's never been a major league team that's gone out and said, you know what? I think we're just going to put six or seven people out in the field today. Just kind of kind of go for it. I, I think that might be all that we need, all that's important. After all, they say right fielders are maybe not, the, not quite so critical, and so we just won't have a right fielder. No, no, nobody ever does these things. Nobody ever does that. You always utilize all your players. First Kings chapter seven, please. First Kings seven. Y'all, this is so important in our lives. Here we read about Melech Shlomo, King Solomon, who built the first temple. King Solomon's temple. It's interesting. If you look online, you can see some of the diagrams that people make. Solomon's temple was much smaller than Herod's temple. Much smaller, like maybe maybe even a third of the size of Herod's magnificent grand temple. But although it was much smaller, Solomon's temple was much more valuable, much more valuable due to all the gold and the precious metals and the precious stones. I read an estimated value in today's dollars that Solomon's temple would have been worth about $5 billion. It's a tiny, it's, it's not much, it's about the size of this building. $5 billion in today's dollars, unbelievable. Well, this was the place that God resided on earth. Kind of important. Listen to this. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 13, Melech Shlomo, King Solomon, sent for and had Haram, brought from Tyre. He was a widow's son from the tribe of Naphtali, while his father was a man of Tyre, a coppersmith, and he was filled with wisdom, understanding, and skill to do any work in bronze. 
So he came to King Solomon and executed all his work. Very interesting. You got this guy. This is in the building of the temple, building of Solomon's temple, the first temple. This is part, you know, why is it even in the Bible? People, people sometimes wonder, wonder why this is in the Bible or that's in the Bible. It's, it's like, is that really important? You know, all, everything in the scriptures are there to teach us a lesson and to teach us different things. And it might be different things at different times that we learn. Okay, so here is this story. And, and it's not just these two verses I read. Pretty much the whole rest of the chapter in 1 Kings chapter 7 goes on to describe what all Haram did in the building of the temple. All this stuff. He was a metal worker. He was a metal worker. And yet we read all this stuff about this, this, this guy, Haram. So Haram was no king. Haram was not royalty. No book of the Bible was named after Haram. Yet he was a metal craftsman, and God used him to help build the temple. To help build the temple. Pretty important stuff. Pretty interesting to contemplate about this guy, Haram, who was this expert metal worker. Go back a chapter, 1 Kings chapter 6. But even Haram, the metal worker, was a prestigious role compared with others who were building the temple. Why? Because at least Haram was called out by name. And we know about Haram, and, and there's a, a, a half a chapter in 1 Kings chapter 7, all about what Haram did, this great metal worker who did all the metal workings and all these other things in the temple, in the building of it in a remarkable way. Wow, I mean, we read all about him, but there were so many other people who were working on the temple as well, whose name didn't quite make the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7 says, for the house, as in the temple, while being constructed, was built of stone finished at the quarry with neither hammer, axe, nor any iron tool heard in the house during its construction. Okay, so it's very interesting. A seemingly unimportant verse with great significance and meaning if we really think about it. So in this verse, we hear of the stone cutters. These were the stone cutters, y'all, that were forming the stones that would make up the temple itself. So they were cutting, quarrying, cutting, finishing, polishing the stones that would go into the temple Itself. However, they didn't even get to work. It says that they finished the stones at the side of the quarry. So they didn't even get to, to work in the temple area itself. You know, more often than not, the, the finishing work is done where the stones eventually go. And that makes sense. That's where you do all the finish work. But in this case, they did the finish work back at the quarry. So these these dudes didn't even get to go into the temple area. They were down by the quarry, just, just quarrying stones and, and, and cutting them, but, and then crafting them and, and, and polishing them. 
Their names didn't quite make it into the Bible. And there were surely thousands of them, hundreds, thousands of these, of these guys. And, and the building of the, of the temple, the stones had to be quarried and, and formed and so much work and effort was put into it. Yet, my friends, their work was of immense value and significance. Immense value and significance. In the building of the temple, we read, if you read, there are chapters and chapters on, on the building of the temple. We, we read about masons. We read about tree cutters, artisans, others who were crucial in the building of the temple. People whose names are lost to history, but not to God. A couple chapters later, 1 Kings chapter 8, then the temple was dedicated. And what happened during the dedication? 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 3, then all the elders of Israel came, and the Kohanim, the priests, brought up the ark. They brought up the ark of Adonai. This was during the dedication of the temple. The tents of meeting and all the holy vessels. They brought them up that were in the tent. The Kohanim and the Levites brought them up. So what do we have here? <laughs> I'll tell you what we have here. Let me, let me give you another word for it. Certain people were selected to be schleppers. <laughs> That's right, they were schleppers. If you don't know what a schlepper is, ask your Jewish friend next to you. <laughs> they schlepped things. <laughs> All these people, they schlepped things. They, they schlepped a the, the tent, the, the, the holy vessels, all the other things, the ark itself, all these things were schlepped by the priests from the tabernacle into the temple itself. You see, all these different roles that are, that can seem random or, or, or no, they are important. They are important. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. We need schleppers. <laughs> you want to serve God? I want to serve the Lord. That's when you go the, the southern route. Brandon of pronouncing Lord as two syllables. I want to serve the Lord. <laughs> okay. Be a schlepper. And beyond this, thank you to your schleppers. We got a lot of people who are willing to schlep things, to carry things around. We're in the community center. They'll crack out tables from the back room when needed. They'll help carry things for people, whatever it is. And that's just one of a gazillion examples. See, friends, my example here is regarding the temple, the house of God, and that is valid for sure, and that demonstrates the value of people in things that seem comparatively unimportant. So we need everyone. We need everyone. We need all of those roles. 
even here at Beth Hillel. But it's not just serving here at Beth Hillel. It's simply in the community. Why am I pointing this out? I'm pointing all this out because if you understand the truth of how God looks at you and what you do and who you are, then it will change your self-perception of your own value and worth. And you're going to be less likely to become anxiety-ridden and depressed and, uh, and, and, and saddened and, and, uh, uh, and, and kind of in a malaise and apathetic because you'll understand more so your true value. Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31, we, we read this each Kabbalat Shabbat, the welcoming in of Shabbat, when we bless our wives and the women. But what is this, this portion of Scripture that refers to the Eshet Chayil, the woman of valor, speaking of, this, of, of, of a virtuous woman? It's such a great poem and, and, and song from Solomon. Proverbs 31, verse 15, this is just a small part of it talking about this virtuous woman. And it says, she rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. From the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. The whole chapter is amazing. Here and in most of the chapter, my friends, a woman is praised for doing the things that she does in her family. Do you notice this? So much of what's in Proverbs chapter 31 is praising this, this virtuous woman who does this, that, this, that, this for her family. These, these individually may seem like small things, but they're very important. How much so? They are praised as an exemplifying a virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31. In this case, she works hard, she buys a field. She plants a vineyard. I, I, I want to point out something here, and I, I'm not looking to be controversial, but this is, just, this is just what the text says. Notice that part of the praise for her is not praise for her for spending time in prayer or preaching a message. It's her part to help within her family. Friends, here's the point. Everyone is of value. You have value. You are important. Now, I'm not saying somebody shouldn't be praised if they're a, a woman or a man of prayer. They should be. And we should be men and women of prayer. But, but, but friends, so many people have so many things that they do. And the Lord is giving us a little insight here is that there is praise and importance in those things that we do as well. Things that may not seem so spiritual. Buying a, buying a field with your own hard work and your money. Planting a vineyard. Doesn't sound real spiritual. It's part of how, why this woman is being praised. Do you, do you understand, my friends, is that we, we, can, we, can, 
be off in our conceptions about our own worth or our own value because of sometimes even things that you see even amongst people of faith who think that, that only people who are like up on the stage or people who are, you know, who, who pray like, uh, like poetry are of value. Friends, all of us, you are important. You are of value for what you do. I, listen, I'm the rabbi here. I'm the rabbi here, yes. <laughs> Guess what? God doesn't care any more about me than he does about you. But you're the rabbi. You're teaching from the word of God. <laughs> no, my friends, God doesn't care more about me than any of you. He loves you just as much as me. He cares about you just as much as me. Sorry to, no disrespect intended for myself. <laughs> like to think he doesn't care for me any less than any of you, but that's, you know, okay. <laughs> What's the point? Friends, we need everybody here at Bethel. We need everybody here at Bethel. Stonemasons, armor bearers, tree cutters, all those building the temple. We need you all here. You are important. You are valued. I don't care what you do. Jew, Gentile, it doesn't make any difference. We want you. We need you. God wants you. God needs you in his kingdom to do what he has for you. Oh, I'm not in ministry. Most people aren't. Do you, do you think that God thinks, well, you're not as important because you're not in ministry? Of course not. He loves you just as much. He has important purposes for you just as much. There's praise. You're praiseworthy just as much. My dad used to say, there are no big eyes or little U's here at Bethel. <laughs> Remember he used to say that? There are no big eyes or little U's here at Bethel. No, 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 beloved. Do not think yourself to be of less value. Well, I don't pray as well as this one, or I don't have as much money as much as the other one. I say again, we need everyone. And friends, what about this? What if nobody else even notices what you do? What if nobody else even notices what you do? I have some information for you, my friends. God notices what you do. Matthew 10, verse 29, Messiah says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them shall fall to the ground apart from your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. But do not fear, you are worth more than many sp sparrows. Y'all, I mean, come on, he's got your, the hairs of your head counted. It's easier for some of you than others, I know. <laughs> just, just saying, uh, but that's okay. Friends, here's the point. He cares for you deeply. He cares for you deeply. Y'all, listen to this. Mm, he knows when you cry at night. He hears your feelings of frustration or hurt. And all of us have a role. All of us have a role. Please. Please do not think that you are not of value. 
But Rabbi, I sin. Exactly. God thinks enough of you to sacrifice his son for you to cover your sin and restore relationship with you. That's how much he values you. That's how important you are. That's how important you are to him. Wow. Romans 12, as we prepare to close, Romans chapter 12. Mm. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says, For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body and Messiah, and everyone parts of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace that was given to us. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. Or the one who teaches, in his teaching. Or the one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who gives, in generosity. The one who leads, with diligence. The one who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Do you see within this, this is so interesting. Do you see within this praise given? Praise is given to people who simply encourage other people. Isn't that interesting? Now, sure, I mean, listen, the, you do great things for God. That's wonderful. But there's praise given here as part of the body for people who just simply encourage other people. You know, you might be out there and you might think, well, I can't like uh, be an emissary to a third world country. I can't give a million dollars to, to, to people in need or I can't start this big work. I'm, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just, what, what can God really do with me? There's praise here for simply somebody who's going to encourage somebody. Can you do that? I, I think probably pretty much everybody can do that. How beautiful that is. How amazing that is. You're important. You're a value. Even if it's just encouraging somebody, serving somebody, to simply somebody who shows mercy is talked about here. As given, there's praise given to somebody as part of the body who just simply shows mercy. To people who are cheerful. <laughs> For some of you, that's harder than others. I know. <laughs> the spirit of mope. <laughs> Listen, that, that's, that's an important part of the body too. Why we're here for each other. You don't know what's going on with somebody. Somebody might look well and good on the outside. Remember, we don't know what's going on underneath. You got to look at somebody and say, man, I love you, man. I'm really glad to see you. Hey, I noticed, man, you, your, your bro ain't here today. I see you here. God bless you, man. That tells me a lot. Sometimes we're just going to, should be encouraging one another. You don't know the difference that that makes in somebody's life. Each of us has our role to play and all are of importance. I will say this, though. 
you have to do it. Whatever that role is, you do have to do it. It may not seem as significant to you. It is. But whatever it is, you got to do it. Hear me. Hear me on this. (laughs) The important thing is not what your role is. The important thing is to fulfill your role. Mm. The important thing is not what your role is. The important thing is to fulfill your role. My conclusion is this, friends. Don't listen to the noise in the media about what makes people worth anything. Don't listen to that voice that's even within your own head that minimizes your value or your importance. The voice that says that you don't make a difference because that's a lie. Don't let yourself be discouraged. You are of value. You are important. The boy bringing the fish and the loaves was critical to the miracle. The truth is that the body of Messiah is comprised of many parts. (laughs) In baseball, we need every player. You just have to get in the game. The title of my message is, We Need Everyone. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If that's you and you've never given your life to God, but you'd like to today, if that's you, raise your hand and we'll pray together. If you've never said yes to the Messiah, but you'd like to, don't let anything get in your way. Just lift your hand and we'll have a simple prayer where you'll receive him as your Messiah. Maybe you're watching online and you would like to say that simple prayer. Just repeat after, after me. Say, Dear God, I humble myself before you. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Please forgive me my sins. God, I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. If you said that prayer for the first time you're watching online or if you're here and maybe you couldn't get your hand up, see me after the service or send us an email if you're watching online. We just want to celebrate with you. Had somebody contact us very recently about somebody who said that prayer after watching. Lord, I I pray for all the rest of us, God. (laughs) Wow. This reminds me a little bit of, I don't know, maybe a half a year ago I gave a message regarding mental health. But this is, uh, this is more of a perception of how we see ourselves and to see ourselves more the way that you see us, Lord, and to understand our importance and our role and our value, even if it seems to others as insignificant or even to ourselves, even if it seems as insignificant, it is not insignificant. It takes every part of the body to make up the body. And there's no no part of it that is unimportant. 
Lord God, please, I pray that you hmm, stir something within us. God, to, to turn to you, to love you, to look at things from a different perspective in this way, because it will also, by the way, make us see other people differently as well. Thank you, God, for these things. We love you with all of our hearts. In Yeshua's name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom.